You got to accentuate the positive. Wow! I feel good. A little bit of feel good goes a long way. Welcome to ATP Radio. I'm your host, Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, showing you how to accentuate the positive, the way to a better life. Your radio station is an example of the future existing right now. Hi, how are you going? You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation and psychic medium, accentuating the positive for the next hour here on Soul Traveller Radio. It's my intent to present more empowering and loving messages through our media, more love in the media. So I present inspiring stories from people all over the globe who break down the barriers of prejudice, judgment and hatred and uplift our world with their stories and their messages. You can listen to some of my interviews on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Soul Traveller Radio. Please subscribe and support Positive Media You can stay up to date with the show on Accentuate the Positive Radio with Karen Swain on Facebook or go to karenswain.com and you'll see most of the podcasts there. Have we got a great show for you today? My guest on Accentuate the Positive today is Dr. Eric Pearl, the founder of The Reconnection Healing. Eric and I have a fascinating conversation about all things healing, love, connection to the source. Oh, I grill him, you know, because I can. (laughs) So I hope you enjoy the show. No songs today because we just had too much fun blabbing. So the conversation goes for about an hour. Enjoy. Welcome, Eric. So great to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. And once we start talking, we're going to find out that um, Reconnective Healing, which is what we're talking about, is not just energy healing. So it no longer fits into that category, but that category fits into it. And that's interesting. Okay. Well, I've got a lot of questions for you. It says on your website, they say your life can change overnight and that certainly happened to you. I know you've said your story many times and if anyone's ever seen an interview with you, they've probably heard it, but it's a great story. Do you want to start at the beginning? You were working as a chiropractor, so you already had the intention to help people, heal people, and something extraordinary happened to you. I practiced for 12 years mm-hmm. as a doctor of chiropractic when one night a few strange things took place, including I was awakened by a very bright light. I opened my eyes to see what it was. It wasn't anything seemingly spiritual or metaphysical. It was just a lamp next to my bed. Okay. For some okay. reason, I decided to turn itself on, and, and it felt as if people were in my house. So I got up with a knife and a can of pepper spray and my Doberman pincher, and I went hunting through the house. I couldn't find anyone. So I decided it was my imagination. I went back to sleep. But that Monday when I went into my office, my patients started having unusual experiences. They told me they could feel my hands without me touching them as I held my hands near them or moved them around. Their bodies would go into involuntary motions. Their fingers would move. Their arms, their legs would jump. Their eyes would rapidly dart back and forth. Muscles would pull at their eyebrows and their lips. When they opened their eyes, they reported seeing colors they had never seen before, smelling flowers they had never smelled before. They had felt multiple pairs of hands resting very comfortingly on different parts of their bodies. Some of my patients who came in in wheelchairs walked out. Some of them who came in with cerebral palsy or epilepsy were no longer having seizures and weren't needing their medications. um, 
were able to walk and run and talk and play normally. Whether they were kids, whether they were adults, patients were coming in the following days uh, telling me that they had gone into their doctors to have tumors or other things removed, and the tumors simply vanished. They were no longer there. Their doctors started calling me, asking me what I had done. I explained I didn't do anything and don't tell anybody. And of course, the more I said that, the more everyone started talking. And soon everyone started coming and asking for the same thing. To add an additional layer, other people started asking me to teach this. And I said, you've got to be crazy. I don't know how to teach this. I'm, I'm waving my hands in the air looking ridiculous. And yet, somehow, these healings are taking place. But my patients would call me after they'd gotten home from my office, and they would tell me that when they got to their house, before they could hit the little button to open the automatic garage door, it started to open and close by itself. When they walked into their house, their lamps and televisions started turning off and on. They felt sensations in their hands. They would hold their hands near someone in their family. And suddenly, um, the grandfather could walk again after the stroke, or the aunt or uncle regained their hearing or their vision. And we started to recognize that once we interact with what today science calls the reconnective healing spectrum, that something changes within us. And once we learn how to familiarize ourselves with this, without any techniques, without any rituals or fear-based protections or any complicated steps, we can simply learn to familiarize ourselves with it on a level that allows us to access our own healings and to facilitate healings for others as well. Mm. Look, you said that... You know, I'm, I've been studying this work for a long time, so you don't call it energy healing anymore, but this phenomena, let's no, call no, it no, no, phenomena. No, 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 no. That's, that's not what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Energy healing is called energy healing. Mm -hmm. Oh, it is. Reiki, Jirei, Jinshin, Shigong, Mahjong, Beijing, Alpha, Beta, Delta, Gamma, Quantum, this. Um, those are all energy healing techniques. You're right. Those are energy healing. Reconnective healing is something that incorporates all the gifts of all the known energy healing techniques, old and new, without us having to learn any of the steps or the procedures, without us having to learn the techniques themselves, without us having to get caught up in the steps, without having to get caught up into the protections or the rituals or anything else. See, energy healing is a field. And we've had subsets of energy healing, such as the ones I've mentioned and ones I didn't mention. What happens with reconnective healing is it seems to completely engulf and incorporate the entire energy healing field, and then it expands beyond energy itself. What science are aspects of light and, and information that they have not witnessed here on the planet before. It's very different. It's very unusual in the overall picture of things. It's very, very new. Uh, Energy healing is the largest growing field today, and reconnective healing is considered to be the forefront. Well, what you were saying was when you first started, you know, people were coming to you saying, you're healing me. But where you've taken it over the years is to say, I'm just tapping in, you can tap in too, which is something that I like because I'm a teacher of deliberate creation, so I like to empower people rather than say the healing is outside myself and it lies in the hands of the healer and I need you. It's more about, so there's a field and you can tap into it and so can I. Could you teach me how to tap into it? Could you remind me how to tap into it? Is that where you're going? Is that is 
partially it. There is something that takes place when you interact with the reconnective healing spectrum that seems to open a doorway, a communication system with something beyond what we've had here. So it's not just it's here and we can all tap into it. Part of what unlocks the door for us to tap into it is that we interact with someone who's already accessing it. it it's sort of an, you know, it automatically equalizes the ego of the person who wants to say, yes, it's here and it's for everyone and I can just sit in a corner and own it in. And, and well, actually, no. That would be like going to one of your beaches and saying the ocean is here and it's for all of us and you can sit on the 12th floor in your hotel room and own the ocean in. Well, you can own and own all you want. And either A, the ocean isn't coming, or B, if it does come, you had better run because it's a tsunami. You actually have to pick up your spiritual little butt and stick it into a spiritual little bathing suit and get into the spiritual little elevator, march across the spiritual little hotel lobby and the spiritual beach, and then and only then can you become equally wet with ocean water as everyone else. You have to go to it in a way. And it's the same with this expanded spectrum of healing. You actually have to interact with someone who's already accessing it, and then you as part of your transformational exchange, are able to access it also. So can everyone learn to do this? Yes. And part of the requirement is, is that we stop seeing ourselves as islands of individuality, and we start to recognize that we are all one. And to do this, we need to share with the greater one, and in return, we get to access this gift. Well, I understand that. But there have been many people that have meditated, been sick, sat, ommed, tapped into source energy. They've had no teaching. They've had no guru. They've just relaxed and allowed their reconnection to their source, to love, to unconditional love, and allowed the body to recalibrate, rebalance. They've let go of their stress. They've let go of the resistance that they've had to the connection, to the reconnection of who they really are. And that hasn't come with a teaching. That's just come with a maybe an intense desire. They've prayed. They've gone into a church and prayed. I, I, I have a friend who's a rock star, a conscious rock star, who, you know, she does the whole sort of Indian thing and she's oming and, and chanting and to rock music. But she went into the Vatican and touched an angel and had this amazing healing. You know, it's really fascinating how people have healings in all different, a variety of ways. Absolutely correct in what you're saying, and you're using reconnecting as a word mm -hmm. instead of what the reconnection is as far as the quote-unquote word means. In other words, yes, there are many ways that we can connect and reconnect with our greater selves, mm -hmm. and everyone has been able to access parts of this. But what today is called, see, that's the reason I didn't want to give it a name, but I had to because everyone's calling it 63 different things. So what is called today the reconnection or reconnective healing is a way that incorporates all of those wonderful gifts and experiences that you've been talking about and gives us more. And the way to do it, the way to get it, and the only way to get it is and to start to go, you know, there's a new gift here that simply the universe is waiting for us to recognize that we are all one, that everyone is touching 
and no one is touching, that everything is touching and nothing is touching and that everyone is special and therefore no one is special. But we must have both sides of the coin because we can't have just the front of the coin. We can't have the everyone is special without understanding that simultaneously that makes no one more special than the other. We have been going to special approaches that say, this is how I did it, I did it, I did it, I did it, I did it. Now there's a way that we can all do more that includes those gifts, but it requires we share with another human being. And that upsets a lot of people because it requires us to face the parts of our egos that we like to claim we've already mastered. A lot of people are so happy with where they've been able to get by themselves, which have been beautiful points, that they don't allow themselves to recognize or acknowledge that there's a point beyond that that we can get only when we're willing to share with another human being. How's that for simple? Simple. Okay, so it's been a long time. How long have you been doing it? Because I remember about, oh, it's got to be about 15 years ago, seeing you down at the Mind, Body, Spirit in Sydney. Maybe it was your first trip down under. How many years ago was your first trip down under? Oh, it could have been about then. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It definitely could have been about then. So there you were on a sort of little stage, you know, an arena full of people demonstrating it and people were watching and I was there with a few healing, energy healing friends and we were watching you. And my thoughts were, here's a man with a personality. He's going to get the message out there. That was what I was thinking as I was seeing you. I was thinking, yay, because it, at that time a lot of, you know, a lot of healers are very shy, a lot of women. You've probably come across them in your courses. And, you know, my intent is to spread consciousness, is to spread awareness, is to spread information. That's what I'm doing on this radio show. So when I saw you, I thought to myself, he's going to make that happen. <laughs> and you did. You know, I've seen you on mainstream television shows and morning breakfast shows talking about it. So congratulations, you're getting the word out there about this field, this energy, this possibility, this awareness and consciousness. How has it expanded over the years? Because when you're tapping into it, you know, more and more and more things become possible. I think the way it expands is the way we expand. Yep. I remember from the very beginning, mm -hmm. once we access this reconnective healing spectrum, it takes jumps, little steps, glides, jumps, little steps, glides, jumps. And it does that in the overall scheme of things around the world and through the planet. But so does life, naturally. What do we know is that when we affect any one thing, whether it's just through education, as people listening to you and I chat right now, we raise the level of information in, to use your term, the field. Awareness. We affect information, the awareness of even a proton. Mm -hmm. When you affect the awareness or the information in a proton, all of a sudden, every other proton in the universe picks this up. Mm -hmm. It's, as they say in quantum physics, the more we teach and share, the more we contribute to this informational field. The more we contribute to the field, the more we receive from the field, the more we receive from the field, the more we give to the field. And this may be part of why the universe is continuing to expand, because we are continuing to share and learn and share and learn and share and learn. But it's not an individual learning. It's a shared learning, whether we know it or not. 
whether we intend it or not, whether we like it or not. What do they say? We live in a free will universe whether or not we want to. <laughs> it's a free will universe no matter how we view this. And so every evolution that we experience becomes shared with the consciousness of everyone else on this planet. Mm-hmm. You and I right now are in different parts of the globe. And it's easy to say, well, we're separate and distinct. We're not touching. But we are touching just through this field. If you take a glass of water and set it down on your kitchen table, at first you say, well, the glass and the table are touching one another. But if you look at the glass itself through an electron microscope, you find that there's so much space in these molecules that if you took just the proton, two protons in one molecule, you blew up the molecule large enough so that those two protons were the size of an orange, there would be two and a half football fields, footy fields, in between those two oranges. That's how much it's 99.999% empty space. So the glass, nothing in the glass is really touching itself. Same thing if you examine the table. Nothing in the table is touching itself. So therefore, the glass and the table aren't touching. And we say, well, how then is the table supporting the glass? Well, through a field of information. The information is giving it support and interaction. So it is touching through information, but it's not touching through matter physically. You and I are touching through information. The people listening to us or watching us are touching us and sharing us through this informational field. So as you get something from this communication, as I learn something from your perspectives on things, then you and I change, but then we affect the other people who are listening molecularly, we affect the universe molecularly, we affect the people who aren't listening molecularly, because it's impossible not to be listening. Yep, that famous saying, you know, the butterfly wings flapping in Africa are affecting us, you know. But I'm just thinking about what you were saying before. Really what you were talking about before was Ubuntu, the Ubuntu theory, the African saying Ubuntu. It's a bit like namaste. It means I exist because of you. If there's no you, there's no me. We have to have another in order to experience us. In order to experience me, I have to have you. Yeah. I'm just thinking as you're talking, I'm thinking of Wayne Dyer's famous book, You'll See It When You Believe It. Because I work with thoughts. As I was looking at you 15 years ago at the Mind, Body, Spirit, watching, I was watching the people around you and then watching you on mainstream television, you know, as we're expanding our beliefs and our thoughts, we're expanding what's possible. More things are becoming possible because you'll see it when you believe it because our belief, you see sick people who are, have a diagnosis, for instance, the doctor says, you're going to die. And they do because there's been this learned person, an expert in his field, that's told them they have a diagnosis that is terminal and there it goes. But, of course, people like you come along and say, nah, more things are possible, more things are possible. So that belief in itself, you know, allows this new reality to exist, yeah? Yes, and in reality to that, how can I explain this? The belief is by no means required. We use that example of the glass on the kitchen table. You place your glass on your kitchen table. Your kitchen table supports that glass of water, but I pretty much guarantee you that the glass of water doesn't believe in the kitchen table. The kitchen table just is. We are stepping into things today and discovering more of what is that doesn't require our belief. 
I don't believe in the concept of when you believe that you will see it. I believe that there's a give and take in everything we can see and therefore recognize just as we can believe in and therefore see. When reconnective healing first started happening, you have to realize that my patients were coming into my office to see a chiropractor. And I thought I was one. No one believed or expected in anything. There was no faith. There was no anticipation. There was no expectation. And these healings started happening. Just happening. Because they were. Now later on, what got funny was that people started coming in from halfway around the world and many people started getting dragged in halfway around the world by well-meaning friends and relatives. And they would sit there in my office with me and say, listen, I think this is a pile of garbage. I wouldn't be here. My husband and wife didn't make me come. And I said, well, guess what? You already flew halfway around the globe. You're in Los Angeles for a week. You get to do lots of other things. Believe it or not, worse things do happen to some people. And so I would say, you don't need to believe in this. Why don't you say to yourself, maybe it's real and maybe it isn't. But whatever it is, it's a rare opportunity for you to lie down and rest your eyes for half an hour in the middle of the day. So relax, take it, let go. And many of these people would receive the healings. If anyone had difficulty in recognizing that they received a healing, it wasn't the person who didn't believe in it. It was the person who came in believing in it too much. It was the person who came in saying, I know this works. It has to work. I'm sleeping with all the right healing books under my mattress. I'm wearing all the crystals with the right colors over the proper chakras. They were so attached to needing to make it work that the attachment became the very limitation, became the very constriction of it. So oftentimes when we allow ourselves, instead of needing to believe, but instead to say, without judgment, that's the key, without judgment, I will allow myself to simply be the witness and the witnessed. And in that state of being both observer and observed, we allow ourselves to see and to be seen. And we get to see with clarity what is really occurring. And it doesn't require faith and it doesn't require the establishment of a belief system. Okay, so what you're saying here is about that allowing because when you're inside the desire, the want, as you said, those people, I've got all the crystals under my bed, that want, you're really buying into the opposite side of the spectrum in that I don't have. Like I don't have because, I, you know, that wanting energy, like it's the same when you're in the question, you know, what's the answer, what's the answer, what's the, you have no access to the answer because you're in the vibration of the question when you're in the vibration of the wanting. And so these ones coming in that are not in the wanting, they're more in an allowing state. They might not believe, but they're not resisting as much as the one that's really wanting it. There's like there's less resistance. What you're talking about here is resistance to the energy so sometimes like I remember I did a healing technique years ago I used to teach it here in Sydney and I came home and and taught my 11 year old daughter some of the techniques and she just did it immediately you know we saw amazing things happen she gashed her foot open when she was in the backyard one day came running in with blood pouring out and dirt all over it and I threw her foot in the shower to get some dirt off and just put my hand over her foot and it, the gash, which was quite a deep, it just healed instantly, just instantly. We were both like shocked, 
You know what I mean? I didn't teach her anything. I just knew that I just said to myself, I'm just going to stop the bleeding to stop her screaming and yelling, not thinking I'm going to heal her, which was really interesting. But I just so I just connected. Nature. You followed human nature. You didn't follow a technique. A technique tells you where to place your hand in what position and what yes. direction and how long. Yep. What you did was human nature. There's an injury, and we automatically place our hands on an injury. We burn ourselves, we place our other hand on the burn. We have a child who injures themselves, we place our hand on the child. So you were actually functioning technique-free. And when you were teaching your child technique, sure, they were able to do it. But hopefully, they weren't buying into a lot of the superstitious reasoning behind it. And therefore, they didn't get lost in the mechanism of the technique. They allowed, your child allowed yourself to be the natural healer that she is. Our techniques are very funny things. They're like training wheels on bicycles. Yeah. They do give us a sense of balance. Mm -hmm. The problem comes in when we're afraid remove the training wheels mm -hmm. therefore we end up mastering the bicycle with training wheels instead of mastering the bicycle itself the only way to truly get the full picture of it is to remove the training wheels and recognize that either we're here to become energy healing technique masters or we're here to master healing itself we're either here to master the techniques or we're here to master the healing we're either here to master the bicycle with training wheels or we're here to master the bicycle and it becomes a decision because a lot of our identities become invested in the energy healing techniques we've learned and part that we teach about reconnective healing is that it is not an energy healing technique in order to fully access reconnective healing we must release the concept of technique itself. In reconnective healing, there are no steps. There is not the next thing to do and first you do this and then you do that. There's no fear basis. There's no need to shake off imaginary negative energy or spray yourself down with alcohol or pull up make believe zippers. There's no need to do that because we're not living in that superstitious aspect that used to be part and parcel with energy healing, which is what keeps a lot of people today away from stepping into understanding the quantum physics of healing, because as soon as they hear the word healing itself, it carries a lot of baggage from the old superstitious approaches that we use and employ. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I'm going to get back to the question I asked you before. I've got a few questions. I want to know how quantum theory is explaining it because it says that on your website. But I want to go back to the question I asked you before because I asked you how it's expanded and grown over the years. What have you seen change? You know, when you first started experiencing the phenomena, let me call it the phenomena of the energy, you know, no technique here. I would imagine as a chiropractor you were very science-based and so you're thinking, what's happening? I need to explore this. I need to understand this. What's happening to me? Because that's what was happening to me when I started, when I was massaging people and I started picking up all this information. I needed to explore what was happening to me because I didn't understand. Did you do that when you first started? I explored not so much through mainstream science per se as reading books from the people who were talking on the subjects. I would read Deepak Chopra. Yeah. I would read um, the Tao of Physics. I, I would listen to people who were speaking on the subjects. Mm -hmm. And today, 
I love doing that. Mm-hmm. Nassim Haramain is a yeah. wonderful, you know, contemporary quantum physicist yeah. who explains it in a way that makes us say, why wasn't I ever interested in this subject before? He shares with you his own questions, his own questions from when he first stepping started stepping into consciousness. His question is, where am I and what am I doing here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, what a wonderful question that many of us neglect to ask ourselves. <laughs> that was a question. So all I used to ask when I was young, you know, my journey started out with my mother dying, getting very sick with cancer and dying when I was like a, a young teenager. So those questions like, why did she get sick? Where did she go? Where did she come from? Where did we come from? If we go somewhere, we must have come from somewhere. And uh, and how do I heal? You know, I don't want to get sick and die like my mother. So I'm past the age that my mother died now. And, you know, that was the, so to a 15-year-old, I don't want to die at 50. So how can I not die at 50? Because the doctors just said, you got cancer, you're going to die. Yeah, big questions. Well, I mean, of course, if you talk to a teenager, they might consider you already dead just because you are 50. (laughs) (laughs) But that's not perspective. (laughs) Not today's teenagers. Back then, yes. But I hang out with many of them. Well, the conscious ones anyway. And they're just, they just see your soul, you know, they don't see the wrinkles on your face, (laughs) on your neck. I, um, you know, and differently than your situation, my mother died giving birth to me. So I was through that process. And then she came back to life and shared of her life after death experience. And this was before we had such famous people teaching us about it, such as Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and Dr. Raymond Moody. Mm -hmm. And today we have um, Evan Alexander, the the neuro... um, Yeah, neuroscientist. Yeah, brain scientist. Yeah, yeah. Yeah who's written, I think it's his book is Proof of Heaven, which became an international bestseller. So today, a lot of these topics that were taboo are not. And what we forget about topics that were taboo is that they were based in fear. There was a huge fear about even the subject of dying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. People were so little about it that they were afraid of it. And in the Bibles, in the Christian and the Jewish Bible, they used to talk much more about reincarnation. And supposedly it was taken out of the Bibles, uh, the Christian Bible maybe about a thousand years ago, and the Jewish Bible maybe about 350 years ago or so, because the powers that be felt that if we felt that we had a chance to do it again, we wouldn't work so hard to do it right the first time. Mm-hmm. And actually, I think that they just weren't giving due credit to the people in that logic. Because I believe that once we realize that we're part of an ongoing larger picture, mm-hmm. everything becomes much more important to us that we do it with integrity. So your mother had a near-death experience giving birth to you, and she spoke about it while you are a child. So you had that awareness. There's more to us than this physical clump that we're walking around in. Yeah, she, she told me, I think I was around five years old, and my grandmother had died, and my idea of death was what happens. You end up in a box underground, and everything mm-hmm. is black forever. That's awful. So um, I came home, and I told her what I was thinking, and she decided that was the time to share her experience with me. Right. It's the entire chapter of the book, The Reconnection. It was a very difficult chapter to write because I had to spend a lot of time on the phone with my mother trying to get the 
words right to describe things for which we don't really have words here yeah. that do it justice. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the most famous near death near death experience person that's really getting the word out there is Anita Morjani. You know, she's she's really spreading. I love- yeah, I mean, she's got a great story. So she was riddled with cancer to the point of death, like her body was shutting down, she was in coma. And when she came back from her near-death experience, everything just, someone turned the power board back on and everything went bang, 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 bang. Like everything lit up again after it shut down and all lit up again. And all those, I think she had 70-odd tumours riddled throughout her body. They basically disappeared within a few days of her coming back. How does the reconnective yeah. healing explain that? She's tapped into the field. She's shifted her consciousness. What's going on? She did. She allowed herself to experience and reconnect with her fuller, truer self, with her essence. Soul. And she mm-hmm. had that experience that when she came back from it, she allowed herself to continue to embody it. That's part of the key, to continue to embody that experience. I think it's July 22nd that we are down in Sydney, if I remember, starting then teaching this. What we do is we teach people how to interact with this in a way that they can grasp it. So we will let you start to feel it in your hands because we can describe it all we want and theorize it. But when we feel something, we start to get the reality of it. When we see something, we gain a greater knowingness. Now, we talked about, you know, when we believe, we see, but also when we see, we believe. It's, is it structure and therefore function? Is it function and therefore structure? Can it not be both? So with reconnective healing, in our seeing lies our knowingness. In our knowingness lies our ability to see even more. And in the continued expansion of what we see, what we know, what we know, what we see, we allow ourselves to access our mastery. So we'll bring on that Friday night, we'll bring a volunteer up from the audience or, or to some people who have medically documented maybe physical limitations. They can't move an arm past parallel to the ground or something, maybe 15, 20, 30 years. And we'll bring them up and we'll give live demonstrations of the healing so you can see the reality of it. And then we'll teach you how to start to work with it. But you'll start to learn this on a personal level self-healing basically with the ability to begin to help with your immediate circle of friends and family. You will be able to do anything and everything in this field of healing and beyond energy healing that I can do. And B, you will be able to do anything and everything in this field beyond just energy healing that any human being anywhere on this planet can do. So tell me what you can do. Tell me about some of the uh, healings that you've performed or you've seen what can you do? I mean, here's the thing. So I've healed broken bones and I've healed cuts immediately, but I can't hit, stop the wrinkles on my face or maybe the fat on my body. You know, like there are some things that seem easy to me, like when something's broken, you can fix it. But then when it comes to fat on your body or, you know, there's belief behind it. There's all that marketing that women are supposed to be thin and beautiful that you're combating with and everything you put in your mouth is going to put fat on your ass and like there's all let me ask you a question yeah you really think that stopping or slowing down or changing the wrinkles as an intention is a healing or a slimmer body that looks more aesthetic for aesthetics purpose is a healing i don't personally 
but a lot of people do. I mean, really, I don't see it as, okay, as much as healing as manifestation because healing is just a different manifestation in the body, the way that the energy is manifesting in your body. There's resistance to the field which manifests dis-ease in your body and when you release that resistance and reconnect, there is a flow again in your body. So it's really about manifestation as opposed to healing. Sure. Reconnective healing is a return to balance. An optimal state of balance, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, that's optimal for each and every one of us on our life course. Therefore, what is optimal for you may not be what's optimally appropriate for the person to your left or to your right. Now, what I will tell you is that at least six studies so far done with human DNA, plant DNA, and animal DNA shows that the reconnective healing frequencies change our DNA in a way that the cells emit light levels that are more harmonic, more naturally balanced. And we know that our bodies heal not through biochemicals, as we used to be taught in medical schools, but that although biochemicals are a small part of the picture, our bodies heal through what's called this model of light. So when we return to an optimal model of light, the body communicates in higher harmony. What is falling away from perfect health really except for falling out of your optimal level of harmony? But why am I telling you this about the light? Because reconnective healing you'll find very often is written about in the strangest places, including health and beauty magazines. Because many people consistently, once they experience reconnective healing, report that they start looking 10, 15, 20 years younger, that it changes the collagen, it changes the light that we emit from our eyes, it changes the glow in our skin, it changes the way we carry ourselves. So I don't think it's about getting rid of a wrinkle or changing, you know, losing that last extra 5 or 10 pounds that are so stubborn. But I do think it's the way that we return to a state of homeostasis in our body and coherence in how we function that truly changes the way we look if we're concerned about the way we look but instead it doesn't change the way we look to change the way we look it changes the way we look because the way we look is the manifestation of how much more healed and balanced we are internally and that to me is what's important look i agree and so does falling in love change the way you look it doesn't it though yeah and is it and is it that we fall in love with another person or that we allow ourselves to love ourselves more in the presence of that other person? Exactly. But there goes a whole other story. That's another story. I'm just coming in for plumper lips. This might not be the place to do it. <laughs> so back to the question, what have you seen happen? What can you do? Well, let's see. Let's not put this on what I can do because, honestly, I'd have to say I don't know what I can do. Exactly. I know active healing shows. And I know that in many cases over time, reconnective healing has brought about changes in people's health situations and things that you thought were virtually impossible. I've seen, I remember in the beginning, I had a neighbor who had a hole on the bottom of his foot that was the size of a pencil eraser. It was this size, like the tip of your finger. He had had it for nine years. That wasn't why I was with him that night doing a healing session. I was with him that night to do a healing session. He called me up because he had broken his ankle that day. And the next morning, 
his ankle was pain-free and all the swelling was gone and it never did come back. But what was most fascinating to him was he got up to take a pumice stone to pumice down and smooth out the edge around that hole that he had been pumicing every day, every third day for the past nine years, and it was completely gone. So would you consider that a healing? I don't know. For him, it was. It was a return to the body's state of balance. Do we want to talk about children with cerebral palsy? Okay, take an example of a child, a five-year-old child who had cerebral palsy, who was unable to walk, unable to talk, couldn't um, put his feet on the ground flat, had to stand on his toes, had metal braces on his legs, wasn't able to open and close his hand. And we could say, I could share the story about when I worked on one child that I'm thinking of for um, four minutes one evening at a location that they were closing up, so we had to stop after four minutes. And he was able to walk and talk and run and play for the first time in his life. And to this day, he's able to do that. And we could say, well, what did you do? You did a wonderful physical healing. Well, A, I didn't do it. And B, what makes us stop and think that that's a physical healing? Because what happened was that child had a lot of stress in his family going on because there were a lot of things that the family couldn't do and the brothers and sisters had to do differently to accommodate. So that created... A stressful relationship where you couldn't really feel the love in the same way. The child viewed himself differently than his friends and his peers because he couldn't do the things his peers could do. So now he feels better about himself. He had an emotional healing, which allows him to do better in school. He had a mental healing, which takes all of this, took the pressure off of the family relationships. And the parents were about to get a divorce. Now they, 10, 15 years later, they've got a strong marriage and a family life. And the mother has become a reconnective healing practitioner and she touches children with this. So reconnective healing changes the course of your life, not just physically, but mentally and emotionally and spiritually. And it changes your relationships your primary relationships, your family relationships, it even, well, let's just say it, it even changes your sex life, and not in a bad way. It changes everything. Okay, so how has it changed you, apart from changing your whole life from being, you know, what you thought was a chiropractor to now a worldwide teacher, what have you seen happen in your own physical being, you know, manifestations in your life? How have you used it on yourself? How has it changed me? may or may not be how I've actively used it on myself. Mm-hmm. Because if I want to do self-healing, it's really a moment to me of consciously tuning into the reconnective healing frequencies, feeling them, and giving them license to be free to do what they need to do and what they know how to do without me directing them and telling them what to do. Um, how I've changed is i become more conscious. I've learned to observe more, to witness more, to see more deeply into people, including into myself, mm-hmm. to see where the reactions that I had, that I would view at the level of the reaction, I can see actually where pretty much everything stems from love, including fear, stems from the fear of not being loved therefore not being love. And if we're not love, then it's the fear of not existing because our existence is love itself. So I've I've learned to be calmer, to be more patient, to see more things, to witness more things. How have I used it? 
I don't really know how to say how I've used it because it doesn't go much. For me, it's accessing it and allowing it the freedom to do what it does. And that, however, is a tricky thing for a lot of people because we tend to tell healings what to do. We get lost up in a concept of a misuse of the approach of intention. We tend to want to facilitate healings and we intend a desired result. And by intending a result or directing the result, we're pretty much telling the intelligence of the universe what it needs to know instead of us observing it and us learning from recognizing and observing its perfect orchestration. So, we place our attention on, well, let's go back. When instead of our intention being on an end result, let's allow our intention instead, I feel at a higher level, to be on the perfect healing. Let's place our attention on the perfect healing, our intention on the perfect healing, and allowing ourselves to witness it without judgment. Now, how can we pull the judgment out of the healing process? Because our nature wants to say it's a good healing if we get the result that we were looking for, mm -hmm. and it was a bad healing or the healing didn't work if we get a different result. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's us assuming that we know what the appropriate result is. I'll exactly. give you an example. Mm -hmm. A woman come in in terrible pain. She could hardly walk. She needed a cane all of her life, and it didn't do much for her personality either. She wasn't the most pleasant woman in the world. Mm -hmm. I, don't know. I experienced some of that because after her first healing session, she wrote me a letter saying this was a bunch of quackery and how could I possibly take money for it? And the letter was so ugly and so venomous yeah. that I hid it away. I didn't want anyone to see it. I'm talking to another woman a month or two later. And this woman walks up to us and goes, oh, my God, she's going to start. She was so mean and loud and ugly in her personality and her response to this. She walks up to the two of us. She knew the woman I was talking to. She's friendly. She's laughing. And everyone's having a good time. And I'm thinking, am I in a bad movie? What's going on? And her friend said to me, oh, yeah, I bumped into her two days after she saw you. And she was in the supermarket. And I said, where's your cane? She said, oh, I don't need it anymore. Did she ever write me back a letter? No. So I got lost in the judgment of whether I thought it was a good healing or a bad healing. Yeah. What's really me getting lost into? It's me recognizing that on one level or another, I had been personally choosing to accept credit for what I considered the good healing. And then came time for me to pay my dues, because when I didn't see what I thought was a good healing, I took responsibility. So I was taking credit for something where the credit was never mine. And therefore, I had to pay the dues of the responsibility for something where the responsibility was not mine either. This is a difficult thing for healers to learn. You know, no, no, hallelujah, you know, hallelujah, because that's why I stopped calling myself a healer, because people were thinking that I was healing them. And I started calling myself a teacher because I'm not going to heal you. I'm going to teach you how to allow yourself to tap into that same thing that I can tap into. I mean, that's going back to the beginning. And, you know, that story of taking credit is exactly why I stopped calling myself a healer. In Reconnective Healing, we teach our people to say that you are a healing facilitator. 
because I find that a little, it, it, it's more explanatory than to me than just teacher because that's easily confused. And I want people to get the concept that healing is involved. But if you say we're a healing facilitator, it doesn't seem quite as as, as grand as when you say, I am a healer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, because that's a paradigm that's going to be a big shift on this planet. There's illness and then there's healers. Call them doctors, call them surgeons, call them energy healers, whatever. And, you know, the person that's sick goes to the healer and has the healing and then goes away and says, you healed me. I mean, that's a huge paradigm on this planet. So hopefully something like what you're doing is shifting that. You know, that's what I love what you do. You're teaching people to do it themselves because I think that we all need to give credit to the source and not to the person who's tapped into the source, although the person that's tapped into the source is a a whole lot of fun. (laughs) Now, so you said what else have we have I learned? Yeah. I'll say at a different level what I've been learning thanks to the help of my immediate circle of teaching team is how to bring this through and teach or impart a higher level of awareness. And this is part of the reason why when you first interacted with Reconnective Healing, our seminars weren't just seminars. They were a Friday night presentation, and we gave a two-day seminar, Saturday and Sunday. Now they're full training programs as of the end of 2013 or the beginning of 2014. They're very different than what we used to teach around the world. That's why part one, which is basically, you know, self-healing and to begin to help your friends and family, takes that Friday night and all day Saturday and Sunday. There's more table time, more conversation, more personal interaction, and the professional level to become a foundational reconnective healing practitioner. Because there are many people in Australia, for example, who've taken reconnective healing seminars, but they're not considered or recognized by us as professional reconnective healing practitioners until and unless they've got the term foundational practitioner by their name. And that requires the Monday and Tuesday advanced level of the training program because just as within every healthcare discipline, education continues to grow not just for the teachers but for the students. And not just for the students, but for the teachers. Well, exactly. So someone could come and learn your awareness and then take it on and fly with it with their own awareness, with their own download or whatever, and not necessarily call it the reconnection, but call it whatever they want to call it because now they're receiving new information and awareness that wasn't in the course. And so, okay, so here's the question that I want to ask. Okay. Where do you want to see it go? What do you see in the future? What what do you want humanity to do with it, to learn from it? Where do you want to see it go? Well, I would love to see that in the not-too-distant future, children are asking their parents if it's really true that people used to swallow poisons to try to get well. Oh, God, hallelujah to that. Look, I've got a big thing about chemotherapy, probably because I think it's barbaric, probably because I saw my mother and many of the people I've known suffer so greatly. I, I really don't, didn't think that cancer killed her. I think the chemotherapy did, even though she was fighting it back. Yeah, hallelujah to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Say that one again. I want to hear that again. <laughs> no, you, let's, let's, let's go on further, though. That's a beautiful start. And 
I think it's time when this comes into fruition that no one really at that point can truly understand that it needed to be taught. But that this is so second nature. It's what we eat, drink, and breathe. I think that people will have a difficult time looking back and understanding all the fear and opposition to the concept of healing. And part of it is how we present it. The robes and the moon and star earrings and the tie-dye and the turbans and this and that and the other. And another part of it is the fear that our monetary healthcare systems have of what if people start getting well and not getting prescriptions and not going into the hospitals and, you know, not seeing us follow up visits. Another part of it is that we have to face ourselves and take on the understanding that our responsibility and our own power is internal. It's not external. And we want to give away our power by telling others that they need to heal us, whether it's, it's through standard medicine or whether it's through reconnective healing or whether it's through any other number of things. But when we truly are reconnecting to ourselves as a people, as humanity, we'll find, well, we'll understand even that healing is an entirely different word than the way we've used it because we've been using it in a very limited fashion. We've been thinking of healing as meaning you have to get better from something, again, use of an arm or a leg, or your liver, or your vision. And really healing is about our evolution. It's about not just the more efficient way for the body to rebalance and restructure itself, but for the brain to work, for the brain to recognize that it is a transducer receiving information from the field, but it's not just a transducer receiving information from the field, because as we grow and expand with this information, then we are also contributing to that field. So everything is a, an ongoing, multi-level, multi-tiered feedback system. Absolutely. You know, this brings up another question, and I know we're running out of time. So you want to see children say, wasn't it strange that we used to swallow poisons in order to get better? Because pharmaceutical is big business. Has the industry at all seen what you're doing as a threat to their big business, or do they just pass you off as some crackpot? Today, I'd say we've had easily about 20,000 or more mainstream healthcare practitioners attend reconnective healing seminars and training programs around the world. Um, I'm saying 20,000 or so who are coming from mainstream medical healthcare backgrounds, doctors, yeah. nurses, physical therapists, etc. We've had, and you your, know, and your discipline that, is, is not the only one that's had that, you know, many other healing sort of energy. Well, you know, well, I can speak from reconnective healing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, as I'm doing that, what I can tell you is that reconnective healing is being recognized in medical fields and accepted and um, openly in medical fields in many different countries. In other countries, it's flying under the radar or it's just acknowledged and accepted. But you know where I had the toughest time? Where? Australia. Really? Yeah, uh, Australia. Um, it was just one incident. It really wasn't a tough time at all. It was very funny when it was happening, and, and, and I'm very appreciative of it because it created a lot of awareness in Australia. Absolutely. But 
what had happened was um, I got a phone call one morning. It was my one day off, my one day off, and all I wanted to do was sleep. And the phone rang, and it was someone on the radio with one of those affected radio voices, you know, who felt very important. He said, is this Eric Pearl? I said, yes. Is it Eric Pearl, the healer? I said, yes. And he said, do you know that um, the AMA, the Australian Medical Association, is having a formal meeting about you and introduced an, um, an inter- a national warning. And I started to laugh out of my sleepiness. And he said, what, what is striking you so funny? I failed to see the humor in this. And, you know, whenever anyone says they failed to see the humor in it, they're right. They have failed to see the humor. <laughs> I failed to see the humor in this. I said, I find it rather amusing that a group of serious, otherwise intelligent professional adults would take time out from their day job to issue a warning about an American who's waving his hands in the air. You know, look how dangerous. So I thought it was funny. I thought that was the end of it. I I said goodbye and I went back to sleep. I didn't realize it was a national radio program. All I know is that within 20 minutes or so, my phones are ringing and the bells are ringing and the people at the hotel are calling up saying, what do we do with all these people? And you had all these TV shows up. You, not you, but, you know, TV shows in the lobby wanting to interview, including um, Today Tonight and A Current Affair and the Channel 10 News. And they're bringing people in and they're interviewing me. And as one interviewer from either Current Affair or Today Tonight was very nice, and the cameras came on, and he was very nasty. And then the cameras went off for a break, and he was very nice again, and then the cameras came on, and he was very nasty. I'm thinking, is this a real person? Well, anyway, <laughs> then I figured the interview is over, and it's done. So um, I'm getting ready for the next interview to come in, and, and all of a sudden, the show brings in this very sweet, this tall woman, maybe she's 86 years old, with gray hair, and her fingers are gnarled, and twisted, they couldn't bend or close more than this. Uh-huh. And he said to me, all right, when we come back on the air, I want you to do a healing on her. I want you to heal her. And I thought to myself, oh, my goodness, this woman must have had this problem for at least the past 45, 50 years. I said, I can, but I don't know what we're going to see in you know 60 seconds of television time. He said, well, that's all right. And when we come back, we'll just explain why you refuse to do it. And I thought, oh, shit, that's the worst thing. That's, that's worse than anything. We'll just do it. We'll see what happens. So um, they come back on, and um, she explains what's happening with her hands, and I hold my hands there, and let her feel it, and her fingers start to move. And she goes, oh, oh, I can move my fingers. Oh, look, I can close my hands. Oh, I think I can knit again. She was so excited. Even this announcer had been so nasty with the camera on. This time with the camera on, said, I have to tell you, today I've seen something that I've never seen before. So I thought that's the end of it, right? That's Mm -hmm. the end of it. So that night, we have three different televisions in different rooms in the hotel, different suites in the hotel, so we can watch. Because all three shows are on the same time, Channel 10 News and the other two shows. Yeah. We watch one, we watch the other. We watch the one with the woman where she feels it in her fingers and says, oh, I think I can, you know, knit again. And we figured that's the end of the show. So we turned that one off. We're watching the other two shows. Someone comes running back and said, turn the TV on again. Turn it on again. So we turn it on, and there's this woman. They had swept her off of there and brought her to the Australian Medical Association, a main representative there, who is listening to her and watching her. And he said to her, well, I hear what you're saying to me, but you see, that's impossible. (laughs) This woman says, but 
but I can close my hands. He said, but that's impossible. She said, but I can knit again. He said, but I'm sorry, you don't understand. That's impossible. She got so angry. She said, I can button my own sweater. And she started to button her own sweater. And all the color drained out of his face. And he said, well, all I can tell you is you're very lucky. Yeah. As if something horrible could have happened to her. Yeah. Look, wow. They did the same thing with John of God, who was down here. Was it last year, the year before? 60 Minutes did such a hatchet job on John of God. Have you been over to Brazil to see what's going on over there? You know, no. the John of God phenomena. No, I haven't. That's why I was on radio. Like, I understand the power of, well, I understand the power of belief, I understand the power of thoughts. And the media does such a great job of convincing you that you're powerless and that, you know, the only one that can help you are the pharmaceuticals and, yeah, they do a good job. They do a good They They try, but I will tell you, you know what? I'm very thankful that these shows spread the awareness of reconnective healing. Absolutely. That was the best publicity you could have. I mean, fabulous publicity. I would imagine that you got quite a few people signed up to your seminars after that. <laughs> the books are sold off the island. They had to drop ship them in. But the, the, what's important is, is that we remove our blinders. And we carry self-imposed blinders. On my book, my na- the title of the author says Dr. Eric Pearl. Does doctor have anything to do with these healings? Of course not. But why did I let Hay House keep doctor on there? It was their decision. And they were smart. They said because more people will be willing to read it if it says it's written by a doctor. Yeah. They'll remove their blinders. They'll look at the book. What's important about all the science and reconnective healing? So much science going on around reconnective healing, showing that it's giving us so many more gifts than our energy healing techniques alone have been able to provide us. It's giving us all of those gifts and more. What's important about the science to me, though, isn't always so much what they find. It's the fact that science is studying it because the general public says, if science is studying it, there must be something there for me to see. We are lost in the concept of what is scientific and what isn't. And if we can't find the proof, we confuse absence of proof with proof of absence. And they are not really the same thing at all. Everything has to exist before science can find it. Otherwise, science would have nothing to find. We look and I'm I'm looking down, you see me looking down at something because there was something I scribbled the other morning. Miracles. We think of miracles as being without science. But really, miracles aren't unscientific. They're just things that science yet hasn't unlocked the secrets of. So what does Marianne Williams say? Miracles are a shift in perception from fear to love. Yeah. (laughs) I think we need to explore love more. I think that really the exploration is the exploration of love. because. purpose of life that's the purpose because we've explored fear to the max you know we've really done fear hollywood does a good job of perpetuating the hero's journey and i think the exploration of love is really where the game is at but when we're exploring the fear when we're exploring fear we're not exploring anything but the absence the absence of of love yeah exploring darkness we're only exploring the absence of light. When we recognize it as that, we recognize that darkness can't exist because it is an absence. If it could exist, we could sweep it up with a paper bag and stick it out with the garbage. <laughs> Dr. Eric Pearl, it's been such a pleasure to talk with you today. 
Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure as well. And I hope to see you in Sydney, maybe. 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 I don't know. That's up to you. Remember, it's a free will universe, whether or not we like it. Thanks for listening to another hour of Accentuate the Positive here on Soul Traveller Radio. Remember to support positive media. Go to Soul Traveller Radio on Facebook and show us your love. And also Accentuate the Positive Radio with Karen Swain on Facebook and hit that like button. Remember to download the mobile app of Soul Traveller Radio. You have the home of conscious music in the palm of your hand. Support conscious and positive media. It's changing our world. If you'd like to find out more about me, go to my website, karenswain.com and have a bit of a explore. There's so much to see on the website. You can also book a reading with me there. Thanks again for listening. Catch you next time. Bye for now. Feeling stuck? Wanting to know how to move forward with your life? Do you want to know how you make a difference in the world? Come and have a reading with me, Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation. Through me, you'll speak with my guides, blissful beings. They bring you a broader perspective of who you are and what's possible. Readings available from anywhere in the world on Skype. Book a session today. Go to karenswain.com. K-A-R-E-N. S-W-A-I-N. 